cold, hard cash. You want to talk it? Want to talk money? You want to talk about G's? Big dough? Ka-ching? Ka-ching? Well, guess what? We're talking about that with Sarah Suntliff, my roommate. We get into all the money woes. And yeah, the stuff you're used to, love life, and mostly my love life, uh, the current moment we're in, and and what it means for the delusional in our country, uh, and maybe Greg is the delusional one, who knows? Find out all. It's Open Loops with Greg Bornstein. Hey there, welcome to Open Loops, an intellectually escapist podcast for the escapist intellectual. This is a show celebrating intellectual diversions as a way of life. Conspiracy, mystery, just plain weird. It's got a rightful place here in the three ring circus of your boundless imagination. My name is Greg Bornstein. I'm your loop master. And today, of course, we have Sarah Sutliff, my roommate. Now, Sarah is an amazingly talented performer. She's a director in New York City. She's a visual artist. And now, uh, as my roommate, she is a dog mother. You're going to hear about all of it. It's going to get real. She calls me out on stuff, but she calls the world out on stuff. If there's anything I love about Sarah, it's her ability to very quickly just point out the absurd while simultaneously embracing it. Great friend, great roommate, great discussion. Here she is, Sarah Sutliff. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, we get have... Me some... Wait, get you some what? We have my roommate here, folks. We have my roommate, Sarah Sutliff. That's right. New York City actress. She is a... Damn straight. She's a multi-talented woman, uh, and look, I, I, I mean, what, 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 what do I even say about you? Newly minted dog mom. Yes, you got us a dog for the apartment. Missy is her name. How would you describe this You're a dog? stepfather. Yes. angel. Tell us about she this dog. Angel baby. Um, although she is a Southern lady, she's from Kentucky, and uh, it seems that she was raised on table scraps because she will beg until I never. She'll never stop. She will Wait, beg for she, food. <laughs> now, is <laughs> is she already? Uh, did you get a chance to like walk around Brooklyn with her? I know you weren't there for that long. Oh. Yes, we walked a lot around Brooklyn. Uh, things I learned about this dog is she doesn't give a fuck. Can I say fuck? <laughs> uh, we'll make your episode explicit. That's fine. Okay. Uh, <laughs> she doesn't give a fuck about anything. So we passed stray cats and she didn't care. We passed other dogs who barked at her and were bigger than her and she didn't care. Um we walked down a block where they were shooting off fireworks and she didn't care. Really? So, so this dog like isn't going to keep me. the chiller in the world. Because I'm like, okay, let me, let me tell you this. I mean, I know we went back and forth for a while about, oh, am I going to be able to survive with a dog? Can I actually take care of this thing? Um, I, I am nervous <laughs> about the barking and the late night attention. Like, how much attention am I going to have to give this little critter? You think she's quiet? You think she'll be quiet? Zero. And... Really? She, the only time she has barked is she barks like as a greeting when my dad gets home. Me and my mom, she does not care at all. So she might like bark greeting at you. She seems to like be a little more vocal around guys. Um, but it's just like woof, woof, hello. And then yeah. she barked, she barked at a bunny the other day. She wanted to chase a bunny, but she doesn't bark at things or like noises or whatever and then at night she, she just falls asleep on the couch with me at like 11 and she just snoozes until I put her in her crate at like midnight and then she's just done for the night 
Oh my gosh. This sounds like kind she's of a dream. Is this a dream scenario for me as like a reluctant <laughs> dog father, stepfather? <laughs> I mean, this sounds great. Oh I'm yeah. Wondering... No, she's just going to demand belly rubs of you. Now, look, I mean, we've also talked, this is the truth. We've talked about the idea of this dog being a chick magnet for me. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> what what do you think my relationship's going to be to the world with this dog? Okay, so I know it's going to sound like I'm pitching something to you, but she's kind of a babe. Like, she is a far more attractive dog than I ever thought I'd get. Because, you know, I like those ugly face dogs that look like, you know, they hit a truck. Yes, yes. Where their face is all smushed in. So I wanted a smush-faced dog with a snaggle tooth, and instead I got this, like, flowing hair goddess yes uh, and everyone on the street wants to say hey to her so greg if you take this dog for a walk i mean you're gonna have to talk to dudes too but people <laughs> will stop and shower affection on this dog that's very interesting i know you know sarah i mean look you know i'm full of cheap tricks but <laughs> <laughs> the question is, I mean, how am I going to leverage this? Oh, man, I'm always thinking about the dating, even though why? Why do I even care? It's it's too much. It's too much. I can't imagine dating back in New York City right now. I can't even imagine. What are people doing? Are people going? Okay, so you've been back. You've been back. And what yeah. you've told me so far is that people are out in the parks, people are wearing masks for the most part. And I think that's what we're seeing uh, with the protests too. I mean, the numbers really haven't gone up in New York since the protests started. So people are being smart over there. Uh, but are people like the idea of engaging with strangers in a public area seems unheard of yeah. to me. What is your take on no. that? It's not going to happen for a long time. I mean, I think walks in the park dates are possible, but there's no way if I were still single right now and I were engaging with strangers, like there's no way yeah. that I would want to like be intimate or even be in like particularly close proximity with someone who I don't know, who like, I don't know to believe them if they're like, yeah, I haven't seen anyone. It's like, mm, I don't know if I yeah. buy that. What about dancing? What's happening with dancing now? Oh, my God. Baby? I miss dancing. I want House of Yes back. I'm so sad. Me too. I cannot imagine how lame those e-parties are those house of yes emails i get where they're like we're doing a rave tonight online here's the like who is going to i'm sure they have their diehard fans people that want to put on costumes and display themselves sure. but i i haven't i mean have you gone to any of these djing like these online dj parties at all they seem big like the first week of coronavirus and that we no. were back no yeah, I, I do have a few friends who have gone to them and enjoyed them, but they are kind of diehard. I don't know. Can you call them club kids? I feel like that's a very dated thing, but like right. they are definitely people who like every Friday and Saturday night were going out dancing at various places. And so they already have that community. So like seeing those people online to them is just as nice as being there dancing in person. Whereas me, and I mean you, as like people who go out like maybe once a month hard, right? it would be weird. <laughs> yeah. Dancing online with strangers. <laughs> I know. And this is why I, I said this to you and you were like, Greg, there are several people that would rather still be in the city than you or I, who we, we both get along with our parents, which is great. Uh, we both had the luxury of taking time away from the city to actually be in a safer environment. But to me, I'm really wrestling with the idea of what is it right now? People who are paying to live in New York City, what are you getting that still makes it worth it? to be there immediately. Okay, so here are the things that I've heard from various friends and coworkers and yeah, break people it down in my me. networks. Very confused There's, by it. 
there's one where it's like any travel is risky. So unless you and I were able to afford to rent cars and mm. safely drive ourselves and get to a safe place where we knew that we could safely distance ourselves from our families if need be. Right. A lot of people don't have disposable income like that to rent a car. And I left one day after you. And by the time I was leaving, there were no more rental cars. Like if I yes. hadn't rented my car when I did, there wouldn't have been cars. Yeah, we were So very I think lucky. a lot of people didn't, weren't able to leave so early. And by the time maybe they wanted to, it was a more difficult option. Or if their only thing that they could afford was trains or buses, I wouldn't have gotten on a train or a bus with, you know, two dozen strangers and in close quarters with recycled air. Like there's yes, no way. Yes. Yeah. So that's one. Okay. One is like financial logistics of leaving. Yeah. Number two is you and I, like you mentioned, have good relationships with our families and our families are down to have us here. Right. Um, oh my gosh. Who are the families not letting their kids come back? Is that a thing? Have some parents been like, you can't, even though we'll, well let I, you quarantine. I don't, we just don't want get- you back political but you know (laughs) lgbtq children and i say children but you know offspring of conservative parents yeah i don't think their families in some cases their families would want them back you you don't like we are so lucky we don't know how many people are just alienated by their families so that's that and then there are the people who are like i don't know how long this is gonna last do i really want to be locked up with my parents in my childhood bedroom for potentially months yeah i clearly didn't care (laughs) (laughs) yeah neither did i people some people do and also i mean that's we're so lucky that we like our parents and they like us um and then i think the last thing is i seem to have slightly more friends that fall in this category than i think you do but i have a ton of friends who are essential workers who mm. never got furloughed, never got put on leave, never got, you know, wow. their business never closed, so they never got to go on unemployment. So a bunch of those people have been just working nonstop since. Oh my gosh, I can't even imagine that. That is yeah. just... So uh... I think the people who f- fell in our category of like could afford it, had the foresight, have family that's supportive and don't aren't essential workers like those are the people who left yeah yeah no we are both very lucky in that way um oh man why do i still i'm still kind of mad about this girl from the beginning of the quarantine that didn't respond back to me when we were talking about these matters are Jenna. you fucking kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> Jenna, man, Jenna. Jenna and I, I thought, had a nice conversation. I want to do a hard pause. Hard pause, Greg. Um, <laughs> okay. You're mad at a girl who wouldn't text you back during a worldwide pandemic? <laughs> oh, wait, so you don't actually want me to pause. You just nope. want to pause the moment. I, I, I just want to hold a mirror up to your statement and let you hear yourself back. <laughs> So you realize. Nah, I suppose you're right. And look, honestly, it what it comes down to is this. You know this about me, Sarah. This is my big flaw. This is why you think I'm sometimes not good to prospective romantic partners. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, I it wasn't even that I was that interested in her. I was more interested that she didn't reply back that's I was like wait a minute I just want to make sure she's still into me even though I wasn't even into her you know what though yes it is egoic and and I'm working past it I'm working past it because then I remember then I actually I won your praises the week after after I talked with that nativity chart expert oh my gosh yes yes let's replay the quarantine here greg is wait nativity natal natal <laughs> oh <chart>. nativity was <laughs> that like jesus not, and Mary? we're not christmas time 
Yes. Nativity chart. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, good. you're correcting me. This is good. I'm uh, the donkey. What are you? <laughs> uh, yes, the natal chart. This guy, some more. You can follow his Twitter uh, at some s o m e m o o r. Um, he is a. I'm gonna actually. He said he would come on the podcast at some point, so I'm gonna definitely talk to him because he's got some interesting. That's it. Um, but. He did this chart for me, and he was like, Greg, you got a lot of this, this king energy, man. You, <laughs> this is crazy stuff. He's like, you are the king, which means if you move through the world like a king, people are going <laughs> to respond to you that way. <laughs> and I was like, Wait, interesting. Did you pay this man money? <sighs> Look, I, I still... <laughs> <laughs> okay, so look, this is my first unemployment check week. I wanted to splurge a little bit. Okay. No, no, no. I'm not I'm not judging you for spending money on that. All I'm trying to say is do you think perhaps his high praise could have anything to do with the fact that you're giving him money and you could be a return client? Okay. Yes, <laughs> you <laughs> You pointed out the obvious. Well, that's my issue with all these psychics. We both know this. Yes, that's been my sort of debate about, um, and hey, I will still entertain anybody that says they're a psychic or a healer of some sort with the science that I don't fully understand just to explore it. Um, I d yeah, Sarah, this is my big issue. Some of these guys, they make you feel good in the moment. They definitely of do. Of course. But... Is it just platitudes? A lot of the times I can take what they're saying and be like, this is something you could say to anyone. Or you just happen to like kind of read me for a couple seconds and know this was the type of thing that would work for me. Um, have you ever had a psychic reading? Uh, that you paid for or anything like that? No, I, I have a few friends who read tarot. So I've had readings done, like tarot readings done by several people uh, throughout my life. And then I had one friend who read palms, but I remember absolutely nothing about that reading whatsoever. It clearly did not leave much of an impact on me. Yeah. But the one experience I had with like a street psychic, you know, yeah, those like me. people who run the East Village or West Village shops, right? Yes, okay. yes, been there, <laughs> so, totally. So I refuse to give anyone money for anything. That's my, you know, cheap life. But <laughs> yes. I was walking I was walking through the West Village with my friend Tyler, who is my oldest friend. We went to we, we became friends in high school, but we did this like summer theater program together in elementary school. So we've known wow. each other for a very, very, very long time. Um, but he is gay. And we were walking <laughs> okay. through the village and this woman who was like stationed at her little like table with her, you know, crystals and stuff laid out. She like waves to me as we're walking past and she's like, please, I must tell you, I must tell you. I'm like, okay, what's up girl. And she's like, yeah. he's not the right one for you. I was like, <laughs> I know he's gay. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's amazing. <laughs> That was it? Is that the whole story? <laughs> yeah, she, I mean, she wanted to do a whole reading, but she like thought we were a couple and she's like, you need to know he's not the one. I was like, yeah, I'm well aware. <laughs> That's hilarious. Is there a world where she could have actually been saying something profound? Like, do you think she maybe thought that you could have been into him? And that was like an amazing guess on her part? Yeah, you don't believe it at all. <laughs> you definitely don't. I'm looking at her right now, ladies no. and gentlemen, and she does not believe it. Yeah, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> you just think it was just something people said. I think, well, Tyler and I, I liked it. Not right now. I'm glad no one can see me right now because right now I'm in full quarantine. But normally when I go out in the world, I like to dress nicely. And Tyler as a, you know, metrosexual gay man he dresses very nicely mm. and i think we had just like gone out to the theater or something so we both like looked well put together so she probably thought we were a couple out on a date that's so weird to say wrong. to someone <laughs> but, but it's you... also like if you're a psychic you need to know that we're obviously 
couple. So like That's you true. undid yourself by saying that weird thing that you felt you needed to tell me. <laughs> That's true. I love <laughs> random. I don't know if you've had these in New York City. I love these. And by the way, I realized that I've kept a lot of open loops about the girl Jenna and the we'll circle we'll circle back to Greg dating quarantine life for those keeping track here but I do want to go back to, <laughs> for New York City to New York City um encounters with random people talking about the relationship that they think you're having with the person you're next to like if you had I don't know when you were either a romantic partner or a date I've had a lot of guys typically they seem homeless but it's interesting. Uh, even I remember my college girlfriend, <laughs> <laughs> my college girlfriend too, like say something, comment on the love between us. Like something like, oh, sir, sir you need to hold on to that one. She's something special. Like I've heard that said to me. I went on a first date once, seated in the park, and this guy, this has happened to me twice, two different girls. This guy came over and started telling me these beautiful like almost poetic platitudes about how I need to hold on to this woman how she's going to be my lifelong partner this is my wife look her in the eye show her how much you love her you have one day left to live <laughs> like this has happened multiple times Sarah have you had anybody ever do anything like this to you uh there was a woman on the subway once when I was dating my ex Greer and he, I only tell this because it's important for the storytelling, but he's half Italian, half black. And she was incredibly upset that I, as a white woman, was dating this appearing non-white man. Right. And <laughs> right, okay. She, she was clearly on something. And she also was uh, potentially not all there in terms of, uh, mental presence but she was wearing she was probably about 70 years old mm. and she was wearing what looked like a high school teenagers like sneaking into the club outfit and this yeah. was at like 11 a.m on a saturday or whatever and we're on the subway and she was like <sighs> You're just trying to steal his black seed. You're just trying to steal his black seed. But what? he wants to give his black seed to a hot black woman like me. Mind you, she's like 70 years old and he was like <laughs> 29 at the time. And then she starts pole dancing badly on the like subway pole, making aggressive eye contact with him. Being like, what? yeah, you gotta, gotta give me your black seed. And we're both just like holy fuck, like, what? get off the subway immediately. <laughs> she was so aggressively fixated on, like, me being with him. It was it was a lot. That is so weird. I don't know if I have any, like, very happy <laughs> That's very different. Yeah, you know, I, <laughs> I have <laughs> I've definitely, that. that's so interesting. Wow, wow. Uh, she what? clearly had a great night the night before and was still feeling the after effects. <laughs> <laughs> well, back to uh, this native natal natal chart. Um, nope. <laughs> <laughs> thought it was nativity again. Uh, no. What? Okay. So what this guy said that I remember I told you because you were like Greg. This is a great attitude. Was um, uh, like I told him I was like, look, dude. Maybe when I text people on these apps, maybe if you're right, what if I already just assumed that I was Leo DiCaprio? Like if I actually texted people as if I was him already, then I would have that level of attraction put out into the world. And I could just do all this and like, I, it doesn't even matter. I don't even have to care. And you were like, Greg, that is a terrible idea. <laughs> Because that guy still disrespects women. <laughs> I'm like, oh no. And then, but the thing I then realized I was by that. yes, but the thing then I said was, but you know what, Sarah? If Jenna doesn't text me back, that just means she wasn't part of my movie. That's it. That's what I said. I said, this girl, she's just not part of my movie. I'm living the movie. She doesn't want a part in it. That's okay. And you were like, 
Greg, that is a very mature understanding. This <laughs> 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 is like April when everybody was getting loopy, man. But um, yeah, I thought it was good. And yes, I have let, I guess clearly I haven't let Jenna go all the way. But I, you know, I'm not relentlessly texting this girl back. I never did. I sent her a text. She didn't good. reply back. It's over. Now, and then I said, but when I get back to the city, Sarah, I'm going to start going to events and do activities that I like to meet people in person. And obviously now look where we are. I mean, I don't foresee, it, I don't see activities coming back. But you know what I also wonder? Here's what I, would, I, I wanted to ask you um, with regards to, you know, people meeting up and socializing. What would you say to like young Sarah? right now going to school for theater in 2020 like if you were this fall you had to go to school to become an actress like what would you even how would you even navigate that how do you think kids are navigating that 18 year olds i don't know i mean for a program like theater where so much of it is about actually being in the room with people and being able to watch and listen which you know it's not ideal over zoom so i think i would defer wow like if i were accepted into a program and it was looking like it was going to be virtual classes for the fall i would probably want to defer and wait until i could have actual in-person classes yeah i don't know what i would do otherwise but i i do know i wouldn't want to be paying big bucks and uprooting everything to do something which is a very lame approximation of what is advertised, you know? Yeah. I can't believe all these emails I'm getting about, you know, uh, Stella Adler Studios doing online classes. Um, all these acting conservatories are trying and they, I get it. They have to. Um, oh, yeah. But... I just can't even imagine anybody even wants to get into this profession right now. Um, <laughs> it's really, when this unemployment runs out, it's about to get rough. Yeah, well, that's what's scaring me, honestly, because right now with the extra 600 from whatever, was it the CARES Act that did the 600? Yeah. That's kind of helping me not break even, because if I were hustling my normal hustle and working my like eight jobs, I would be making more money working. Yeah. But it helps me make enough to cover my recurring bills and payments and feed myself and, you know, clothe myself and take care of my dog. Uh, but when that 600 goes away, I, I really don't know what I'm going to do because it's not even like anyone's hiring right now. Has your relationship to money changed during this time? I've always <laughs> been nuts about money. So like, I don't know. I feel the same. Like my anxiety is in direct correlation to how financially secure I feel. And that has always been my case. And right. that's why I work like seven jobs because I refuse to have a nine to five, but I also need to be financially comfortable. I mean, we've uh, talked about this a lot. And one of the things that I think is certainly went on for me at the beginning of this was it started shifting around my mindset about what the money is for. So, and, and I know we've both talked about this. I've talked to you a lot about the idea of like different orientation, motivation strategies when it comes to money. Some people are very much people that are drawn to the idea that abundance, like an abundance mindset. Like I can, I'm going to have money just so I can experience this freedom and da, 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 da. And then I, I've talked to you and it almost seems like you operate primarily. And again, people are always on a spectrum. So it's, it, it can be a little both, but you operate from a money equals security. Like if I don't have, it would be really bad not to have money as opposed to it would be great to have money to build something great. You're like, if this money's stripped away from me, I'm going to, I'm going to suffer. It's going to be cold. I'm going to die. Like, like very quickly. Like it's so it's much more of that. And what I found during Corona that was interesting is that all of a sudden when this stuff is taken away, 
um, like like going to theme parks, going to nightclubs, going to nice restaurants, all these things that people aspire towards. Uh, I, I definitely think there were a lot of conversations, at least articles I read about people questioning what the nine to five hustles all for and stuff like that and focusing on things you really love. And it definitely shaped my relationship to it as well. But I wonder if your you thought a little more about what the outcome of having money is as opposed to just making sure that you don't run out of it. I think for me, I spend most of my money on experiences. Mm, um, yes. And I think, you know, I'm, I'm a massive food addicted monster and I love going out to eat to a fault, but it's not so much about the food. Cause I think I'm a pretty decent cook and I could order takeout, but it's so much for the experience of going out and enjoying an atmosphere and enjoying an ambiance and spending money on travel and spending uh, money on Airbnbs and spending money on museums and shows. And like, that's what I want to be spending my money on. And since none of that is possible right now, I'm just not spending money, mm. which is good. <laughs> which yeah. Is I was going to say, do you I feel more secure? Do you feel a little more secure having all this backlog of money or do you just, is there sort of a, I think there is almost an addiction, not an addiction, but uh, just a, a safety. You need to have stuff coming in at all times. Like when is it okay for Sarah Sutliff not to have something come in? Uh, never. <laughs> I mean, I, and that's probably a healthy view. I'm not saying it is healthy to. I mean, let me, let me be honest with you. Ready? So I don't, for all your listeners out there, I <laughs> don't have a nine to five and I haven't had a traditional job in a very, very, very long time. And I fight pretty hard to not have a traditional job because I know that for my 80 ADD self, I need variety and I need a lot of movement in my day-to-day -day life. So I'd rather do five different jobs and have that variety and make the same amount of money doing five different things than working one job and getting bored and burnt out and, you know, feeling stuck. Right, of course. So I have always been uh, in a position where money is unpredictable. Mm. So that's kind of a blessing in that I'm never expecting anything and I know that I have to work really hard to get money coming in. Uh, but I think because of that uh, mindset and background, when Corona first hit, it's like slowly my jobs dwindled, but because I had like five of them, it's like each week, you know, I was left with one less job until yes, finally yes. my last job closed down. And I was like, oh, well, now it's officially over. Like, all of them are gone. I remember and that so process Then when you. I came up here, right. And then when I came up to my folks' place, I was like, I can't have a week go by where I don't have any money come in. So it's like, I worked the last week in the city. Now I'm here. I'm going to get paid this Friday, you know, the following Friday. So I need to figure out how to get a paycheck the next Friday. Mm. And so I did. I found a copywriting temporary job that I only worked for a week before they got shut down. But I did oh my some copywriting up here. Oh, for real. Yeah. I, I didn't even realize on. that. You found a job <laughs> in this time off. That's incredible. That's kind of cool though. <laughs> I have a friend from high school who runs a marketing and PR like content creation company. And she was like, Oh, I'll help you out. Like I can give you a few writing assignments. So I did two writing assignments for her. Uh, one about a construction company and one about, uh, what was the other one about? The other one was like increasing web searches. And I just like yeah. did the research and wrote these two pieces. And then the next week she reached out at the time where normally she'd be like sending out the kind of like prompts for the week. And she was like, yeah, so all of my clients have put their accounts on hold. So I don't have any work for you. Oh my gosh. And then I was wow. like, well, okay. So that was my this week money. What am I going to do for next week money? Oh, no. And that's when I started taking art commissions. So, Yeah, then, you've been doing art. I, I do want to hear about that, too. Because it's good um, stuff. I got on, thanks, dude. Where can we see your yeah. art? Do you have a website for it? 
No, I should make one. Right now, I'm posting the commissions that I've been doing during COVID time only on my Instagram, which is at Safibole, S-A-F-I-B-O-L-E, a completely meaningless word, but that is my handle. Yeah, was, um, you know what? Tell me the origins of that for a second. Is that did you were no, you trying to so protect stupid. something? Were you trying? I was. I always no. thought it was like you don't want people to know what your name is. Like you're trying to hide no. from the public. Is it that stupid? If I were a smart no, if, if I were a smart marketing person, like all of my other actor stuff, my my website, my Twitter, my actor pages are all the Sarah Sutliff. And if I were right. smart, I would literally just change it to that. But when I first started Instagram, I didn't anticipate that I'd be using it for my theater stuff. And right. so I made it exclusively because at the time I had this pet project where I was making jewelry and that was going to be the name of my jewelry line. <laughs> Saffy Bowl? <laughs> Saffy Safibly. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So you've been doing this art thing and that's, that's been it. <laughs> Um, also this get uh, no, cut. No, it's never it. <laughs> well, I mean, are you, have, have you actually been applying for jobs this entire time? Have you really been doing oh, it? Oh, I've gotten a shit ton of remote work. I've gotten remote work. Does, has so that interfered I've been, with unemployment or is that just a different thing altogether? So unemployment, for those of you who are on, on unemployment, um, you know, when you file each week, you say how many days that you worked. Yeah. So... Thus far, the, the remote work I've been doing is pretty sporadic. So I just say I worked one or two days this week and I just get partial unemployment for those weeks. Um, so far, I haven't had the blessing of a full week of work where I can't collect unemployment. Usually it's one or two days a week that I'm working these other remote jobs, but I'm working as a facilitator for an online escape room now. Oh my gosh. I, <laughs> what? Are people doing this? People are doing yeah. online escape rooms. Tell tell me what that even is. Is there are people getting yeah. to? Is everybody getting together in a virtual room? Like what is that? Yeah, so it's this company called Patchwork Games, and they have been around actually since pre-COVID. They were already doing Zoom-based escape rooms. Wow. Uh, so their their infrastructure already existed. And you know, when I interviewed, I was telling telling the woman who who founded it, I was like you're kind of a genius because you're ahead of the curve. You already have a client base of all of these huge tech companies that have worked with you for team builders. Right. So you don't need to do any work. You just like exist. So, wow. Uh, yeah. So the games are pretty cool. It's kind of like an online scavenger hunt. And we, as the actors are the one actually trapped in the escape room and they have to go to, through all of these websites and emails and phones and Instagram pages and stuff to help me get out of the room. Oh, weird. <laughs> That's kind of fun. Interesting. It's, cool. it's fun. You know, you're making me think um, like, should we think, um, should we imagine the worst possible things are going to happen on this earth as a way of generating business ideas? Like, that's kind of a smart idea. Like, this per <laughs> this person didn't think about it that way. But I'm like, I wonder what, is there an accurate way to predict a trend before it inevitably happens? Like, let's just assume the environment's going to go. It's going to go. Oh, but yeah. actually, we might die with it, too. So that's going to be tough. Like, how many years let's are we? Let's not talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> is that too dark yet? It, it is a little bit. Existential it dread. I know, I know. Well, look, I mean, I, oh man, the idea of a functioning society where everyone's not wearing masks, people are dancing again. I mean, it is, um, it seems far off, Sarah. Well, you know what'll do it? Wearing masks. <laughs> if everybody well, wore their masks. That, that will do it. But you know what will actually be the thing to end it? What do you think? Our president. The freaking vaccine. But oh, here's yes. my concern. Are you ready? Yeah, let's hear it. If people are being such babies about wearing masks, I'll bet any amount of money that a shit ton of them aren't going to agree to get the vaccine because they're going to think that, what is it? Jeff Bezos is implanting 4G into their flesh or some bullshit like that. <laughs> yes, it is Bill Gates and 5G, actually. Um, <laughs> I have watched a few Shows videos. How up 
I am on these conspiracy theories. <laughs> yes. Well, you know, that was the thing before. Okay. So here's my confusion with the whole conspiracy vaccine thing. Supposedly, I and I, I got to dig more into my research, but a lot of people criticize Bill Gates because apparently some of those vaccines that he was testing in India um, – was it India? I think it was. Hurt a lot of children and messed them up long term for life. But that's just uh, a yes, claim. You're experimenting with new medications. Do you think it's fair to experiment on uh, third world countries? Is I that think what we're, also, is that what we're doing? I think it is really effed up to test on anyone who cannot give consent. And I yes. think when you are weaponizing money in a way that these people will do pretty much anything to make some money it's a little effed up and like in the same way that like someone can't give consent if they're drunk to be you know sexually involved can someone who's impoverished truly give consent when money is on the line like i don't know yeah yeah no it's a good point it's a very good point uh I mean, look, at the beginning of this whole thing, I was so deep in these conspiracy theories. It just seemed, I mean, when you hear a disease, you think, and people aren't really sure the origin of it. Um, I was now hearing that there aren't even bats in that wet market in Wuhan, so I'm not, but every day it changes. Sarah, do you have any, okay, tell me this. I know that you definitely have political persuasions. You definitely, have, <laughs> you definitely believe some sources more than other sources, but do you actually, what is your relationship to facts and the truth in this time? Since Trump's presidency, I haven't been able to believe in any source as necessarily being truthful. How do you, how do you feel any sort of stable reality? Well, I was raised by two scientists, so I, I love facts. They're really helpful, especially yeah. scientific facts. Those are great. I love scientific facts. And I think the problem is, you know, one of the great things they taught us in school or should have taught us in school in some, some people's cases is critical thinking and how to do your own research. And I think too many people don't explore things enough to actually get a fully founded opinion or actually explore multiple sources or look into studies and see who's funding them. So I think a lot of people, I think the facts are all there. I think there's just a laziness in people's consumption of news and media. What are some of the things that be, be beyond the Bill Gates and the Jeff Bezos chip stuff? What are some of the things that you saw a lot of people posting during this that you were like, are you kidding me? Oh my God. I got into it with like people. There's, there's COVID deniers up where I am who really straight up think it's not actually e either think that it's not any worse than the flu. Like they believe there is a disease, but that its impact is being blown out of proportion. And then when I say things like there were freezer trucks outside hospitals in New York City, they basically poop poo me and say like, I don't think that's true. What? <laughs> <laughs> like I don't, they just I don't deny know how to argue with those people. Yeah, they just deny it. Or they say that they believe that it's bad, but they build some kind of like protective divine shield around themselves and be like, well, because I don't smoke, am under the age of 40, I'm a vegan. Like, it doesn't matter because I won't get it. Oh my gosh. And there's this weird sense that like, they believe that it's real and they believe that it kills people, but somehow they are exempt from it, which is confusing in a different way than just the like straight up deniers. Yeah. Yeah, these people that go to the rallies, the, the Mount Rushmore fireworks, I, I just uh, – when Donald Trump says it's over, they are really buying into that? 
I, yeah, it's very perplexing to me. I saw this very frustrating video that's kind of circulating today. I saw it, uh, I think it was on the Black Lives Matter uh, Instagram account, but it was in California in one of the cities where they had painted the, you know, street mural of the Black Lives Matter, you know, along one of the streets. Yeah. Um, it was this couple wearing Trump shirts <laughs> and they had, gotten these gallons of black paint and they were painting over the yellow black lives matter on the street and people were like trying to reason with them and they said they said a lot of things look up the video it's bananas but one of the things they said is racism isn't real it was created (laughs) by the liberal leftist oh my gosh what how I was like, all right, work? there's a lot of de- like denying a virus, but like denying racism. And it's like, you're denying racism, but your action right now is literally racism. Yeah. What am I, how would that even work? It, it, the movement of people decided to hate black people all this. Like, I just, a political no, no, side. No, they think it's not real. This, they, these people. Oh, so they think liberals made up the entire concept of hating another group of people. Of racism. Mm-hmm. They uh, said because of the Emancipation Proclamation, racism is over. And it's just the liberals being crazy for their own political gain. Oh, my gosh. Even though our Democratic candidate is not nearly liberal enough and is also kind of a racist, warmongering piece of shit. Whoa! Controversial take on Biden. That's Biden. That, that's... Is it? Is it controversial? <laughs> the man I, loves war. Yeah, I mean, uh, he's definitely not the guy we wanted. Definitely not the guy we wanted. I, you know what? I I saw John Stewart talk about this uh, multiple times when he was promoting his movie, and it did sort of stay with me in some way I, I when you're just looking for anything uh he said biden he wasn't for biden totally anti-biden was like okay well, i'll take this guy because we don't want trump but then he was like when i look at him talk the thing i see on that guy is a man who's been through grief and that might be the kind of humanity the kind of humility we need right now. And that's why he's no I, longer just anti-Trump. He's like, I'm going to be pro this guy who knows how to feel for people, which is not, you know, obviously a, great to be the one thing you're running on. But I do appreciate that perspective in a world where we're just grasping for any straws, anything. The guy's been through it. He knows what it means to have death. Um, And that made me feel a little better. You still don't feel better, though. (laughs) No, obviously, I think Trump needs to go. I'm one of the people who, like, cried the day that it was announced that he won because I could foresee this type of thing happening. I mean, you put a completely inept leader who has bankrupt multiple businesses has lied is a multiple account sex offender like it's just like worst case scenario and so i was is biden a creeper incredibly well that's the thing is we don't know and like i'm not the one to ever discount women's claims because greg it would shock you go if you were to ask every woman in your life how many of them had experienced sexual violence i think your head would spin Um, but I don't know, but frankly, it doesn't matter what I think or what actually happened. It's if this charge was brought against him, you need to take this woman's words somewhat seriously and look into it. Like, is he the perfect candidate? You said yourself, no, but I will my critiques of him by no means say don't vote for him because I don't know. Have you seen the meme that's going around? It's like Trump is cancer. The cancer will kill you. You need to get rid of the cancer. 
Biden is chemotherapy. Oh, no. He'll get rid of the cancer, but you're going to be miserable and feel sick and it's going to suck. And then, you know. You think it's that bad? You think Biden is as bad as chemo treatment? Do you? That's fascinating. I mean, he'll get rid of the cancer. (laughs) Wow. I'm not going to like it, but anything, I, I can't say anything better than Trump, but like just about anything would be better than Trump. This yeah. has been a horrible four years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And look, for everybody out there, I'm not necessarily like pro-Biden, 100% all that stuff. I'm just impressed by how anti-Biden uh, Sarah is in this moment. Or just how you, not anti-him, obviously you're going to vote for him. I'm but. not anti-Biden. <laughs> I'm, I'm just kind of surprised. I'm enthusiastic about the options that have been presented to me. What about I who, who would your VP far pick more be? qualified candidates. I mean, in my perfect world. Bernie? Is that what you're asking me? Like in yeah. my perfect world or no, no, no. My perfect world would be Michelle Obama. Whoa, that's kind of cool. What about Barack Obama getting appointed to the Supreme Court? People think Biden might do that. I'd be cool with that. I'd rather see another woman of color, but I would take, I would take Barack. Yeah. I, I'd, I mean, I'd take Barack over Kavanaugh any day. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, of course. Um, you know what? I, I wanted to bring up the idea of creepy old men for a second. Um, <laughs> because, because, you know what, you see a lot of those, that footage of Biden, uh, giving shoulder rubs and touching, even though sometimes they put up like him, like, you know, gently patting the shoulders of a little girl. And it's, it is weird. It doesn't look right. People don't seem comfortable. Here's what I was surprised by. I've been watching, I've been telling you, I, I off b- before the podcast, uh, through our text exchanges they've been watching a lot of Turner classic films and men, even in Hollywood movies. And I'm talking like Hollywood, which created a lot of the male gaze, a lot of the problems of objectifying women. Like, I think I was watching 42nd street, the one that came out and maybe it was like the thirties. And men were always making women feel uncomfortable and they depicted it back then like like just because we we think oh now that we're in the me too era like now men are getting called out for this creepy behavior like if you go back you will see men making advances on women that didn't want them and that was written by probably some male writer in that old time like it makes me uncomfortable in 2020 to watch those movies and see guys be like, Hey, little dame, come over here. You look great. And her being like, no, I don't want to talk to you. Like that's a real, that's been a problem. I mean, it it just shocked me that it was so, it was depicted. The discomfort was depicted even going back to the early 20th century. Mm -hmm. (laughs) <laughs> i don't know i mean I, I, I yes well well i yeah i guess i i know maybe this is like not the most enlightened thing no i well i don't think i'm saying anything i guess what i thought was that if you go back and watch those movies you'd see a lot more fake consent just because in an idealized heteronormative male way it would be so much better if a guy hit on a woman from a distance and she just accepted it but it's like, nah, dude, these guys were capturing like a-hole behavior from males on women even back then. Like, where did this, where, so my question that, I guess this is really what I'm getting at. I'll bet they didn't think it was that. Wait, what do you mean? Uh, yeah, yeah, they probably didn't. They probably didn't. Um, my question, I guess, is what in the world, why were men so historically bad they're using power yes they're abusing power but like did did no one have a conscience until 2017 i guess is my question 
Like, what is going on? Like, I could not, I pick up, I mean, I'm a sensitive person. I pick up the signals generally. I'm like, I usually feel bad for <laughs> proclaiming my expressions of desire out loud. Um, probably more than I should. Uh, <laughs> but like, did no one have a conscience for that long? Were men that ignorant? Like, is every man a little bit, I don't know, socially inept? That's what I wonder sometimes. I think if people are in a position of power and have been have gotten away with things, there's no, they don't see any reason for them not to continue as they've been. And I think it takes a real dose of uh, life experience and self-reflection and having people calling you out and being open enough to hear that. Cause like, I don't think anyone comes out of the womb perfect, but I don't think anyone out of the womb assuming that they have power over other people hmm yeah that's interesting i mean it makes me also think about uh the people who i've seen come out during the the black lives matter uh riots of recent who are saying things that yes some people were saying things years ago uh you know there were a lot of people that were supportive of the movement but it's been it's been a different conversation i've noticed from older generation on facebook saying like admitting i didn't know how bad it was and i'm like wow what did it did it really take all of us being indoors and people tearing down buildings for that realization? Like what causes someone you think to really look themselves honestly and be like, I'm, I'm ignorant and I didn't even realize it. Well, I think it's a lot of people who just have now, who come from privilege, some, some level of privilege, be it, you know, as simple as just being white. Um, but I think people who have privilege who aren't exposed I guess not exposed, but like aren't in close conversational contact with people different from themselves. They just aren't aware of it because it's not a part of their lives. And I right. mean, up here, there is no racial diversity whatsoever, like where I grew up. And so a lot of things that I heard and learned about when I was younger, just kind of like maybe rang a little weird or like, I, but you can't question it when you don't experience anything else. And then moving down to the city, and, you know, being around teachers and classmates and friends who were not, you know, <laughs> white middle class from upstate New York. Yeah. It's suddenly you can hear about other people's experiences and, and start to see where things are imbalanced and where things are different. I mean, a lot of things that I took for granted, I very quickly realized when I went to college down in the city that, oh, my God, this is an incredibly closed-minded and limited view of the world that I have. Do you think it, this, what's going on right now, has made a difference in your community up there? Like, have you? I don't know how out you've gone, but have you seen anybody walking around with, like, how to be an anti-racist, um, anything like that in your immediate area in upstate New York? It's bad up here. <laughs> wow. uh, this is Trump yeah. country. And currently, I'm actually glad I have time to talk about this on your little show. Um, yeah, currently, a bunch of us alumni who have moved out of my hometown, and a lot of us have moved to cities, um, we found out that our all-white middle school is planning to do Once on this Island next year oh. as their drama club production. Wow. And I, I don't know if you're familiar with Once on this Island, but it's a show Very familiar. about the race relations between light, light-skinned black people and dark-skinned black people in the French Antilles. And uh, we have all white people, and it's an all-white audience, and it's an all-white creative team. So a bunch of us are saying, especially now that it's very much in the media and very much in the public consciousness and very much in conversations happening in arts organizations. It is so irresponsible for you to claim ignorance and move forward putting on this production. Mm. Um, so myself and a few other alumni who are 
most of us working in New York City in the arts are uh, really trying to get the conversation started about why it's inappropriate, uh, despite the fact that the only response from the head of the drama club has been basically, uh, oh God, it was, it was bad. <laughs> it was a bad response. <laughs> oh, I'm so curious what they said. It, that, that is crazy. Yeah. Whoa. So wait a minute. Is there it was anything? basically talking in circles and not acknowledging. Yeah, you know, I think that's a tactic of these defenders that's just really... I mean, look at Trump, right? He doesn't even mention George Floyd at any of these recent press conferences, but he does talk about the statues. You know, it's like totally just totally missing what is actually the pain of uh, his people right now. Um, gosh, I, I hate to do such an anti-Trump episode. Though, you know what? There was an anti-Biden aspect to it. Um, and also, like, look, if people Venmoed you, <laughs> if people Venmoed you money for the rest of your life, would you be happy or would you still want to work? No, I'd still work. Wow. I don't get it. You're amazing. Hardcore. I mean, I, I'm a workaholic. I'm a workaholic. I love having activities. And that's been the biggest struggle up here was until I was able to get some remote work and able to, you know, start making art and start finding purpose again. That well, was look. the biggest struggle was just like, I'm used to going 24 seven. Yeah. Well, look, then here's what I'm going to do for you right now. Um, <laughs> www dot sarahsutliff.com uh, you can check her out her twitter handle is at the sarah sutliff instagram safibali and get cut for corona at get cut for corona on insta because sarah did say she's gonna get shredded in this time but here's what i was gonna say you don't pitch that <laughs> <laughs> she is looking folks i'm on the zoom chat she is ripped okay it is just she's been posing non-stop this entire interview um so look if you go to www.sarahsutliff.com people out there get this girl some work all right go to the website if you've got jobs sarah will take them acting jobs <laughs> but they could be regular jobs we want to keep her employed for life my gosh sarah I know this conversation has been all over the place. Uh, are you my pimp? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. You're a good roommate. Obviously, we'll talk again. Um, but I, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hopefully, we'll be in the same space at some point soon. Um, but hey, look, I thank you so much for coming on Open Loops. It's been a pleasure. Oh, my pleasure. I'm confused. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people are. <laughs> hey, we got through an episode of Open Loops. We talked about Joe Biden, but we didn't ask if she thought he was adorable. That, to me, is an accomplishment. Look, it was a fun conversation. Hearing it again... Doing it, though, at the end, we both felt so weird. I mean, you gotta understand, like, I put on magic specials from the 80s and watch it with Sarah uh, as we're roommates. We, 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 we go into a lot more strange rabbit holes. Uh, I, I got on a kick one night where I just showed her Dan Balzarian and we watched YouTube videos of that guy. And she couldn't believe this man existed. I mean, that's the weird stuff. Uh, make out prank videos. That's a whole nother rabbit hole that we've gone down. I mean, look, it's this episode doesn't really go into that too much. Sure, we get into some tangential things about psychics and and my egoic expectations around online dating and whatnot. But for the most part, it was a very it was a very sobering conversation in these times. Is it just me where I feel the direction's going? In that moment, I, I felt an impulse to ask about the moment, the political moment, as well as the social moment. I mean, she's she's been in New York in this time. I haven't gone back yet. 
Now, by the end of this episode, did she convince me it was worth coming back? Not really. But she did convince me that I'm going to have a great time with that little dog. So to everybody out there and their pretty little dogs they bought during quarantine, I support you and I love you. And hey, you don't have to like me, but if you do like Open Loops a little bit, feel free to subscribe, leave a review, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, you know the drill. Sarah will definitely do another episode that gets weirder um, because living with Sarah is a talk radio show that's weird who knows you never (laughs) maybe she'll she'll let me press record sometime where we're just hanging out i hope she does all right everybody take care this is open loops and intellectually escapist podcast with greg bornstein ta-ta